everybody, and welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the Job Whisperer, and this is another episode of Bit About Crypto. And it must be Sunday at 2 p.m. because that's when uh, 2 p.m. on the Pacific, 5 p.m. on the Eastern. And, and welcome. So, a uh, bit about crypto is a human interest uh, story uh, on people and uh, on how they actually found their way into crypto and what they're doing now. Um, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, there have been a lot of things that have been happening in the crypto and the NFT market. It's just, it's just moving so fast. And um, our, my, our guest today is, uh, is going to really comment on that because he's going to talk about how he's in a lot of things and uh, how things are actually moving, moving uh, his way. And so he says that today's episode might be therapeutic for him. So I hope we don't disappoint. Speaking of today's episode and a bit about crypto, I can't do it without my co-host, Dave Hampton, right? Robo Recruiter, how are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Yeah. So um, isn't it amazing how NFTs have really just taken over the, the, the dynamic of what everybody is talking about? It's like very few people counted, cared about cryptocurrency as a money, as an alternative outside of fiat compared to this NFT thing. It just brought like 10 times the inertia of momentum of people. Yeah, I, I think it's the I think it's the utility of what what all the other cryptocurrencies could do or, or what the theory was behind them. And this is now a, a live uh, utility case scenario yeah. gone viral. It's great. So <laughs> Bit About Crypto is brought to you by our recruiting firm, Blockchain Recruiters. And Blockchain Recruiters, we are a worldwide, we are a global recruiting firm. And we don't say that in, in jest. We really are. We've got candidates and clients on all, well, not all seven can, uh, continents, but on no. on four, four, North America, South America, Europe, five, Asia, and Australia. Right, Australia right? Well, yeah, no. New, New Zealand. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> so, sorry, so, sorry, Alex. Yeah, New for, Zealand's not a continent. So <laughs> sorry, yeah. NFT Labs. It's it's an area. So yeah, not, you're gonna have to clean that non-fungible up. Non-fungible labs. <laughs> non-fungible labs. So shout out to Alex. Non-fungible labs. So, but anyhow, if you are um, listening to this show and you actually have blockchain skills and want to be uh, re reappointed with a new project in some capacity, then you call me. Call David James. You can find me on Twitter at the BTC Recruiter. And you can always email me at David J, D-A-V-I-D, the letter J, at blockchainrecruiters.net. Remember, it's net, net, net. If you don't use the net, you won't be in my net. If you are somebody who has a blockchain project and you need people, uh, then you need to call or contact uh, the Robo Recruiter. Yep. Talk about it. Yep. At BC Robo Recruiter or uh, Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net or... You can call me at 760-513-6151. I didn't get that number. 760-513-6151. So going forward, uh, just, just a couple of housekeeping issues. Thank you for everybody for the nice notes that you've been sending. If you actually want, want questions and things we can answer, you can actually leave a comment in the chat. That's okay, too. But speaking of the chat, we will never, ever uh, send you any information on Telegram saying that we uh, want you to send us money. Anybody who's reaching out to you from saying they're us, they're frauds. We don't do that. As a matter of fact, the purpose of this show is not to make any money. And we don't have a, uh, a patron page where we're going to tell you which coins to buy. If you want to support the channel, please uh, just hit a subscribe, you know, a like, uh, a comment, and uh, I appreciate it. So... Uh, 
With no further ado, uh, we got an interesting guest today, right? And he's got a very interesting way that he actually describes himself. And um, <laughs> what before before we get to our guest, um, when you think of rivalries, right? We've got <laughs> we've got Alabama, right? Roll Tide, and we got Auburn, right? But what do you actually do if you're actually go to University of Alabama in Bam, uh, Birmingham? Where, where does that put you? Uh, well, it means you're more of a basketball fan than football fan. <laughs> That's exactly right. Jason Watkins, Knocked ETH, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, so yeah, let's, let's go right to the part about uh, you being <laughs> University of Alabama, uh, Birmingham. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Well, yeah. Uh, what we were talking about, you know, everyone has sort of this um, uh, religious upbringing. All right. <laughs> you're 12 or 13 years old and you uh, you either just love Alabama or you love Auburn and you don't know why. That's just what your family told you that you liked. And, um, you know, and uh, we're in talking about UAB, you know, if, if you went to UAB, yeah, everyone in the state sort of like, yeah, they could sort of come to an agreement that uh, like, <laughs> we all support UAB, you know, <laughs> everybody wants to see UAB win. So, yeah, their little brother who just, you know, tries to get the just to play. Yeah, that, that's right. We, yeah. we, we actually had a, a hiring authority at another company in another industry who went to Auburn. And when we were talking about UAB, he goes, it's a fine junior college. <laughs> that's what that's what you say about uab yeah they call it a they call it a commuter school uh and it's it's um it's slowly evolving from that actually the um you know you come in as a freshman you you actually you stay in the freshman dorm but uh, that's not the experience that i had uh, because i actually transferred from a community college uh, i actually started at uh jeff state a uh, great community college you know they uh, a lot of people that go into healthcare. Uh, will oftentimes start there just to knock out some of the um, undergraduate requirements like history and, you know, your mathematics and things like that. And then they'll actually transfer. So that's what I did uh, for my first year. And then um, when I registered at UAB, uh, it was, hi, welcome. You already got the college experience your freshman year. Let's uh, just, here's your classes. Let's go. And I was just like, but I didn't get the college experience. I went to a community <laughs> college. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually have always wondered why more people don't do that, right? So anyhow, that's that's that. I I, I think so. I did that, right? So uh, but yeah, but you, yeah, but you did that because you because go to UCSB, you got to go to Santa Barbara University. Hey man, why why are you so hurtful? Because with your words? You well, because like you did the route that people did to get in UCSB. That's, yeah, who didn't want to study hard, right? right. It, well, right. I, I, there's no way I'd have gotten in as a freshman because I didn't have the grades or the willingness. Yeah, I mean, part of, part of the problem with UC schools is you got to be like in the top five percent to get in. So what are you saying about me? Obviously, you weren't in the top five percent. Not, not, not even once. Anyhow, I, I don't even know if I could personally recommend going to a four-year school unless you're going into a very small handful of uh, of, uh, of professions uh, at this point. Hold it's, on a second. We're talking in the '80s. That's, it's, <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking in in in, in the yeah. 1985. We're yeah. Reagan era when yeah. when you know presidents actually knew what they were doing. Yeah, right. I was a twinkle in my father's eye in 1985. Yeah, right. So <laughs> and, 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 I was in '81. So and that's I get an it. important thing, right? <laughs> Because <laughs> I've said this because I, I look at my kids and I go, guys, these kids just got so screwed over, right? Because one of my kids, he graduated right when, during the financial crisis of 2008, right? Yeah. And then, you know, my- College? 
No, high school. High school. Yeah. yeah. But my two my two two youngest uh, my two youngest uh, kids they actually graduated into COVID, right? And but there were but even before that there was this thing where I'm not taking a political side, but Obama made sure that everybody could actually get a student loan. They made that very easy. For you to get a student loan. Yeah, you can get a hundred thousand dollar student loan, but you can't get a ten thousand dollar business loan. Right. So ADL. So what ended up happening is you got a guy who says, "I ain't going to college. I'm going to go to work at Starbucks." Then you got the guy or guy or gal, right, who actually gets the hundred thousand dollar loan, two hundred thousand in debt, college graduate, right, and now they get out of college. What do they qualify for? They qualify for the job at Starbucks. And guess who your boss? Guess who your boss is? The person that doesn't have two thousand dollars in debt. And, and has four years of work experience, right? Now, that's, that's, a, right. that's a metaphor for, so this whole thing about go off and get a college degree, it's being disrupted, and nothing is disrupting it more than crypto, NFTs, that's these right. projects, right? Because when I speak of equality, I talk about crypto offers marginalized people the opportunity to get in. What I say about that, yeah, I even consider myself marginalized in the situation that I didn't come from money. Right. I'm not talking. I'm not talking necessarily in socioeconomic or sexual orientation or those classes, but those things matter, too. Right. But the majority of people can't just come up with a three hundred million dollar bridge loan and buy a hotel. Right. That's right. I mean, and then most people, they don't have access to the seed round of funding of these companies that are actually starting up. You know, you kind of have to know people. Uh, most of these startup companies are going for people that already have money. And they don't really, you know, they don't they don't come down to Hueytown, Alabama and say, hey, I'm starting this job. If y'all want to pull some money together and help us start this company. And that's one thing that's happened in the crypto space is, you know, granted, it's not a company. Obviously, it's not a company for a lot of reasons. Uh, however, it was available to everyone who wanted to get in early uh, and, and reap a lot of the same benefits of uh people who have these opportunities to invest early in, in businesses. And, um, so uh, to your point, you know, it's, it's, uh, really given a leg up to people, um, who were not in a position to have exposure to those sort of early investments. You know, you're pretty insightful and, and I don't know you very well. I just trust the person, you know, Zach, who actually said, Hey, you got to talk to this guy on your show. And when Zach says you got to I just trust Zach's sense of judgment, and he, he doesn't yeah. disappoint. So, so Jason, let's go back to you. So, are you born in Alabama? Right. Yeah, I was born in um, I was born in a community hospital we call Cooper Green. All right, that's just kind of the free, you know, if you don't have insurance, you know, you go and you, you go to Cooper Green. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was born there in 1986. Uh, that's not far away from where we were living at the time, which was Midfield, Alabama. Now, um, midfield was, um, it's, uh, it's actually a majority, um, uh, African-American community. All right. And, uh, so that's, that's where we lived for, uh, the first four years of my life. What, tell me, tell, um, tell us about your mom and dad and brothers and sisters and what they did, how you lived. <clears throat> my mom, uh, was my mom and dad were 19 when I was born. Okay. Uh, my, uh, my father, they, my father, my, my mother had graduated high school. Okay. And she was working for the city of Midfield, uh, at the community center there. It's like a rec center. Uh, they've got, you know, if you wanted to play, uh, in a community, say baseball league, you know, you would go there. Um, and she, she worked the front desk, pretty much anything that needed to, to happen there. Uh, my father, uh, he actually, he dropped out of school. Um, you know, he didn't finish high school. Um, and 
was not my my father was like generally a very popular guy he was considered people tell me he was considered very intelligent albeit maybe eccentric um and that he was obviously like any 19 year old not in a position to to have a kid uh and you know nonetheless here i'm come you know so mother and father got married uh early in my mother's pregnancy and after i was born uh it, so he he was at the time what you call um a fabricator okay uh like, most like people in, would, in a machine shop exactly so yeah. they, they had like a true machine shop with a machinist talking about things that people should consider besides college machinists um and he was a fabricator so he would take uh and he would fab up from from scrap pieces whatever needed to be made you know that they, they would show him the prints he'd go all right did, did and he, he'd make did that. he use the uh the machine where you would put the codes in and it would bend or was this more of a manual so shop? that's so that's what the machinist would do okay the the one that would actually be using you know say autocad okay to, mm -hmm. to draft up the project and actually set up the machine like a lathe or uh, uh the water table or, or whatever he's happened to be using so uh that 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 is um uh you know one thing okay and that's usually on one side of the shop my father's on the other side he's working with more plate so he might cut a piece a lot of pieces of plate to sort of assemble this thing that that needed to be made uh so it was um i guess kind of like a machinist you know they're both creating things but machinists tend to deal in curves uh curved surfaces and um fabricators tend to deal with plate and things like that it's funny because uh, i had a job where i was a screen printer right I, I knew how to screen print in high school i got out of the army i could i could get a job doing that and i worked in a metal fabrication plan and i learned about oh. that, that they didn't need a screen printer like anybody can actually do the, the metal fabricating but the screen printing you know like putting the logo on or where all the buttons go or the, the volume numbers one two three four five that has yeah. to be shot and screen printed on and and wouldn't you know that the the people the last thing that anything gets done is screen printed right after it's like powder coated or painted or whatever it needs to be chassis right it, it comes to my department right Right. And all the, so who do you think all the pressure is? Uh, who do you think gets yelled at when the job is late? Right. So it's like, yeah, everything's happening, you know, the way it should. And when it gets to you, it doesn't go out the door until you're, yeah, yeah, you're done with it. Here, yeah. here, here's what I started doing. I started, I'm, I, I, you know, because we're talking about jobs, right? I, I, I literally would go to them and I would say, okay, here's the deal. This is exactly how long it's going to take me to do this job. Okay. And I said, and here's my calendar. You guys can book it in. Right. Just book it in when, when you're ready. But don't come and yell at me that I've only got an hour to print a thousand chassis. Right? <laughs> yeah. Schedule an appointment. I'm yeah, busy, no, no. Right? I just it, it just it just wasn't fair. It just was yeah, right. It's called managing expectations. Yeah, that, that's right. But the uh, uh, under promise and then over deliver. Yeah, right? well, they over promised and over expected. And, <laughs> and, and, and there, there was there was now we're talking about the two bosses. It got to the point where I I, I was kind of reliable. I said, hey, you you're you're amazing. And one day I, I was just thinking about you were talking. I was in there. I said, today's my last day. And the guy said, well, why don't you leave right now? I said, even better. <laughs> so he's just like I was going to give you the courtesy of two weeks, but no, no, no. I was going to give you the courtesy of two more hours. <laughs> so just tell you where where everything is, but yeah, do you? But anyhow, okay. So what what is your life growing up? Did your mom and dad stay together? Uh, no, no, that didn't that didn't. You know, as you can imagine, you know, they weren't necessarily yeah uh, soulmates. 
<laughs> so uh, we we were living in that house in in Midfield, and and it's actually I didn't I don't remember seeing a lot of my father around. Um, I had these little blips of memories, uh, maybe even as early as three years old. Wait, is your uh, father no longer with us? <laughs> uh, I actually reconnected with him a couple of weeks ago for the first time. I've seen him in 15 years. Oh, okay. So uh, I, I'm, I'm accustomed to speaking in past tense. Got it. <laughs> because it was all that I had there for, for a good while. Yeah, I understand. Uh, so um, they, I, I remember the fight. I remember being in my bed and, and a bunch of yelling and screaming. And my mom comes and gets me and we leave. Uh, and next thing I know, we're sitting in a, in a driveway of a house that I wasn't familiar with. It, it come to find out is, uh, my grandparents father, this is my great grandfather, mind you. Uh, he's living in this house. He's living alone. You know, he was a functional guy, despite being, about, he was, had to have been 90 years old by then. And, uh, she's on the phone saying I need a place to stay. And they convinced my great grandfather to let us in the house so we could stay there. And uh, that's where I lived until I was 18 or seven, yeah, 18 years old. So when you're in high school, what did you do? Did like, do you sports? Did you like science? What was your, your jam? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, I didn't do school at all. Uh, I, uh, I, I still remember in kindergarten, um, I, everybody had these cool pencils that we we're getting out of these machines and you put a quarter in, you do this and the pencil will come out. And I remember all the other kids, they wanted this specific pencil and, and, um, I, I got lucky and I got one and I was sitting there holding this pencil and I was, I would look over at the other kids and they were all sort of showing off their pencils. And I had this feeling like eh, they wouldn't want to see my pencil. And that was, I don't know why, I don't know, you know, what that is, where it comes from, but as one of my earliest memories is just being on the outside, looking in, Dude, I, I guess I, I, I got say. straight line identity with that. And I bet you David does too. I mean, yeah. it's uh welcome, welcome, yeah. welcome to our tribe. I'm glad to hear that there's a tribe because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, it, and, it was, and the rite of passage is this pain and perseverance. That's the yeah, rite of there, passage. There, there was some pain. Yeah. And so <laughs> I did not, uh, uh, I remember it, same class since while I'm in kindergarten, they handed out an assignment and the assignment was to cut out this airplane, which was two pieces, cut a slit in the, in the fuselage of this airplane and slide the wings through. And there you've made an airplane. So you're supposed to color it and then do that. And, uh, when I got handed mine, I, I was like, well, if I wait, 10 minutes and let or let someone else turn theirs in then i know that's been enough time for me to just stand up and put mine in the box because i'm not doing that i want to go i want to go play with blocks or whatever you know I, I had no no interest in 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 school at all now i got to the sixth grade it wasn't until the sixth grade um uh, i actually failed the fifth grade um but when I was standing there and my teacher no, nobody was, fails the fifth grade, just two educators. <laughs> no, no, listen to me. Nobody fails the fifth grade. He's, he's getting to it. He's, the, he's the, getting no, to it. I just want to say this. The kid, the, the, the curriculum or the teachers are irresponsible. And for whatever reason you were held back, you didn't fail. You didn't. Well, the, what they ended up doing is I saw, 
I was standing there. The teacher wrote the my grade, and and I don't couldn't tell you what it was. It probably wasn't science. Um, at and it was a fifty-eight. Okay, and fifty-eight means that you're going to summer school. And she erased <laughs> it, and she erased it, and she changed it to to sixty, and said, "All right, you passed." And so I got through the fifth grade. The reality ah. is, I failed the fifth grade. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you understand what I'm talking about. That you just proved yeah. my point, right? Yeah. So. Um, so I get into sixth grade. Now we moved to middle school. Uh, it used to be called Pittman Middle School. And I had this teacher's name was Mr. Fritz. Now, uh, Mr. Fritz had a tremor. Okay. His, it just uh, in his sort of resting state. Okay. He had, he would kind of had this tremor with his head. As far as the kids were concerned, uh, nobody, no one knew why. Okay. Uh, what, what had actually happened is uh, he fell out of a window when he was a kid. He had a, he had a brain injury. And uh, so he had developed that resting tremor. Okay. So anyway, uh, he was a science teacher and, um, he, he, he covered everything from space to biology, you know, all your major subjects. Okay. And, and sort of really just hitting the historical high points. Okay. And that was, um, I, I finished that year. Uh, I, I made a hundred percent on every test plus the five bonus points that you get on the uh, on the bonus question, I, I did not miss a single point for that entire year. I made a the uh, had made like one hundred and ten percent in the class, and I, I almost failed all my other ones. <laughs> you know, so it was like D D D D A D. You know, and so he was the first teacher that I ever really looked up to and, and respected a great deal uh, because I was very much interested in what he was teaching and I was much less interested in what everyone else was teaching uh, or at least their uh, ability to teach. Uh, but uh, coming, come into high school uh, again, I'm um, not doing school. I don't, you know, I had one, I had two very close friends. One was my next door neighbor, Cody. I've known him since that kindergarten class I was telling you about. Uh, he was in. He was actually at my house a few weeks ago. We've been friends uh, thirty, you know, thirty years, you know. And uh, I had another close friend uh, as well, uh, but I didn't associate with him. I didn't go to dances. I didn't go to sporting events. I didn't, you know, I didn't. I wasn't in any clubs. I continued to make D's in all my classes until the eleventh grade, or sorry, the tenth grade. In the 10th grade, I had a teacher, his name was uh, Mr. Kirkham. Uh, Mr. Kirkham taught geometry. And it was the first time, okay, uh, up until that point, we had been doing algebra or the other basic maths. We'd been flipping numbers across the equal sign, okay, which was uh, meaningless to me at the time, you know. And it was the first time in that geometry class that he drew a shape on the board. He applied numbers to it and showed me a practical purpose for, for math. Um, mm. uh, uh, again, it, it, it was like, it, it was the time in my life right there. I would, I would equate to when I figured out what an NFT is. Um, when, when it struck me, what an NFT is, uh, that, that was like one of the true epiphanies of my life. When I saw him put these numbers on a shape and, uh, I, excelled in that class the very next semester i actually took the class again but i took the advanced portion and i finished out the rest of high school with what they called an advanced degree and was making uh, straight a's mm. 
uh, in all my classes. So he, that was kind of life-changing for me, that teacher. You know, uh, Albert Einstein failed seventh grade math. Did you know I, that? I believe it. Yeah, he failed. You know, he, was I mean, he was dyslexic. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I no, don't... he was. He was. He, yeah, he was. He was dyslexic. He was dyslexic. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, that's interesting. I, I just, I, I was told that he just didn't see any relevance for it at the time. Right? And, yeah, I, and I, I'm almost hearing the exact same story. Right? Once you see the relevance, you apply yourself and you get 110%. Right? So Yeah, it's like I, I wouldn't do anything just because, you know, there needed to be you know, no one ever told me what the end game was. You know, what am I, what am I doing with this? You know, right. why, why am I moving these numbers across the equal sign? My mother doesn't do this. My father probably does that, but again, <laughs> it's been a long time since I'd really interacted with him. But uh, uh, and then, but he he put a square, put a triangle on the board. He he drew some numbers, and it was just like, uh, it, it was like. Um, it was like hearing Beethoven for the first time. And it, and it was just like this, this symphony in my head of, of understanding. And it just opened up a floodgate with that, that, that truly just changed so much about how, how I saw the world and, and describing things in numbers. And it was wonderful. So, so when you're like a junior or a senior in high school, what are you thinking you're going to be in your life? I mean, you eventually know you're going to leave high school. Right? That's so, right. Would you believe that I put no fault in that whatsoever? At yes. The time? <laughs> yeah. No, not because it's you, because I, the, the best, I mean, literally everybody was going off to college and I hadn't even applied anywhere. Right. There and, was, and I went into the army. So yeah, I understand that exactly. Yeah. And that's probably, yeah. And, and, um, so I, there were people applying for colleges. Uh, my, my <laughs> stance on it was that I had blown away my chance from my grades to get a scholarship. You know, they're not, yeah. I mean, knowing what I know now, uh, you know, most schools have like, you know, uh, counselors and things. Uh, I think I just zoomed in somehow. For the people who are, are people who are listening on Spotify or Apple, they don't care. Yeah. The, yeah. Then maybe they can hear me better now that I'm zoomed in. And now, now that you're closer to the camera. Yeah. It. So, um, I, um, I, I didn't, you know, knowing it, it, I, I never spoke with a, with a, with a counselor or anyone, there was no one around me. My mom's working 40 hours a week. I'm a latchkey kid at home. You know, I, I come home, I'm alone until she gets home at night and then she goes to work the next day and I, it, it just alone, 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 you know? And, um, so no one talked to me about these things. No one ever told me how to apply to college. When are you supposed to submit your application? How do you apply to scholarships? It was all completely foreign to me. Uh, I just, I just, I just knew other kids were applying and I knew that those kids had more money than I did. And I knew, I knew that there was no money that I was going to college. So I was 17, uh, when I was 17 years old, I, I woke up one morning, um, I still remember this like it was yesterday. I, I, I woke up, I sat up out of bed, I put my feet on the floor and I said, I'm going to join the, I'm going to join the Navy. And, and that's, and when I was 17, I joined the Navy. I had, I had my parents sign some paperwork so I could do that. I finished high school, but it was two weeks after I graduated high school. You know, uh, you know, the, the military doesn't pick up the phone call to make sure that it was your parents that really signed. <laughs> asking, well, for, yeah. ask, asking for a friend. 
Yeah, Ask, asking yeah. for a friend. Yeah, uh, uh, the uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the recruiters. You know, if I'd a, you know, I, I actually uh, a friend of mine actually went to. He dropped out of high school and he went to. Um, I don't remember. It was a it was a small little private uh, school at a church somewhere, and he convinced them to fabricate a high school diploma, uh, and then he joined. You know, because he was joining the Marine Corps, and you know, he basically told them just like, "Look, I'm either just gonna." suffer and not make it or you could just write this up so i can join the marines and have a shot at life and so i so i joined the navy uh i uh graduated high school uh right around may the 13th i think and uh 14 june uh, I, I was on an airplane to uh great lakes illinois for for boot camp i never you know <laughs> where, where were you stationed um, so after, uh, after boot camp, I trained as a welder. All right. Cause I was in the recruiting office and they said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a corpsman. want to get in the medical field. They said, well, we're not taking corpsman. You know, uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> well, my dad, which is ironic. Said, Cause this is, this is an Oh three, isn't it? This is, this would have been, uh, um, 2004. Yeah. So this is like in the middle of, uh, like, I mean, We've just, this is like three years after uh, 9-11. That's right. And how are they That's, not taking more corpsmen, dude? I mean, <laughs> I think and, and we're also in Iraq at that time too. Yeah, usually to, usually what it does is they, they take that rate and they look at how many people are in each rank. Um, and I think everybody that was in, in Alabama, you know, there's a lot of healthcare. I mean, it's like yeah. healthcare is like literally our biggest industry, really. And I think, you know, a lot of, I was going to, uh, went down to Montgomery and for whatever reason, everybody was wanting to be a corpsman in the, I guess they just get to a point where they yeah, can't stack anymore back here. Yeah. yeah. And so I was sitting there in the chair and I was like, well, I didn't think about anything else I wanted to be. And so <laughs> what do you want to be? And so I said, well, my dad, my dad's a welder, I guess. Do you have welders? And they said, yeah, yeah you'd be a whole tech. So I, I was a whole tech and I shipped, I was. Uh, they messed up my after boot camp. They, um, I was the last one that didn't have any orders. Wait, a mess up in the military regarding orders? <laughs> there must be a mistake. Yeah, they're, I, they're pretty I, efficient. I mean, yeah, you know, the, I mean, the, Navy's pretty efficient. I yeah, mean, the military say, runs as a well oiled machine. I, I that's yeah, yeah. this is yeah. the first time I've heard yeah. of that, but go on, right? Fourth for good, you yeah. know, yeah, they, um. They, I was, I was sitting in my class, which was toward the end of like welding school, pretty much, or damage control, which is like firefighting. And, um, I, it says anybody, everybody got their orders. And I'm, and the whole time I was just like, I mean, they'll work it out. I wasn't worried about it. I got to go somewhere. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it was just, you know, being kind of naive. No, but, and, but uh, really all you were doing was going to the chow hall into your bunk, right? And just it, waiting. Right. Which, I was just waiting. Which is, it, uh, some good duty if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, how, how long? How long? Yeah, because yeah, because initiative is kind of punished in, in the in the uh, in the armed forces, man. If you have if you have you take initiative, it's it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not looked upon. It's not like the private sector where initiative is expected. Uh, it needs to be get to the if if any initiative needs to happen, it needs to get to the exact thing that you were told to do. If you right. if you if you a lot of people make the mistake of well, I could do it better this way. Yeah, no, no, you're looking at a guy who actually made E4 three times. <laughs> I made E4 three times. 
because of that exact thing right there. And I, yeah. I, I couldn't, I mean, I know I had the right to remain silent. I just lacked the ability. So yeah. anyhow, uh, so I was sitting, I was sitting in a classroom and something, and they said, everybody got orders. I said, I don't have orders. So they pick up the phone and uh, I was sitting in the classroom and somebody says, and, and he sets the phone down and says, where do you want to go? And I was like, I want to go to Italy. And he, he says, he wants to go to Italy. And then he hangs up the phone. And it's like, all right, you're going to Italy. And so that's- <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. Where, where to well, pick a spot hold, where. Hold on a second. Yeah. Because, you know, we live in San Diego, right? I, I live right by the Marine uh, base, Camp Pendleton. I mean, literally, Pendleton, when I say yeah. I live there, I'm like two exits away. And, and David, he lives close to like, you know, Miramar and all that stuff. And I never hear about anybody in the Navy say, yeah, I just had duty in Italy. I, I know. That's right. Yeah. So how did that happen? I mean, so where in Italy did you go? Yeah. So um, <laughs> there are really, there's really only one base in Italy, and that's in Naples. Uh, and the flagship was there. I forget the name of it, but that's where the admiral of the Sixth Fleet was, was actually stationed. I was in a little place called La Maddalena, Italy. Okay. Now, this is not on the boot, mind you. This is in Sardinia. Uh, about let's say Shanghai on the boot, you've got Corsica and you've got Sardinia. They're right. It's two islands right across from each other and not on Sardinia, but a little speck of Island that was off the Northeast coast of that is a little spot called La Maddalena, Italy. And, uh, the Navy had parked a ship there for what, you know, whatever reason. And that's, that's where I was stationed on uh, the USS Emory S land. Uh, and it was a submarine tender, not a submarine, a tender. We were a repair ship. Uh, back in the 70s, they made this ship to uh, have the capability to go out to a submarine that had been damaged, needed to be resupplied, needed just random maintenance. And we would meet them and we would fix the submarine, whatever needed to happen. And this was 2004. Submarines can stay underwater indefinitely. The only reason they come out to the only reason they have to surface is because the crew runs out of food <clears throat> and um, they can pretty much go where they need to. So they would come meet us. The ship sat there for virtually the entire year with the exception of two, three month deployments that we did. And I had an apartment out in, uh, out in town. Uh, again, there was no real base. As an E1? Just, as an as E1? A, no, 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 not as an E1. Uh, I had to, um, I was staying on the ship until I was an E4. I got an EP. I got an early promote to, to yeah, E4. Yeah, okay. And um, the, uh, and they, then I was allowed to go. I had a roommate out there and uh, I worked a nine, eight to four, uh, eight to three thirty job like anybody else. Uh, it just happened to be in paradise. Yeah. And you got to, you got to, celebrate, you got to celebrate awesome food and beautiful Italian women. Yeah. And it it was truly uh, at the time, 19 years old, I was there three years and it was just the most magical experience of my life. And, and what was the greatest influence on, on who I am today. Uh, So, so you, uh, okay. You're a whole tech, you weld, you, you got a sense of purpose. I, you, you, uh, you understand a part of something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You understand math. You got a regular check You get your teeth fixed. Right. And you know, don't, don't steal and you don't, 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 don't disobey the rules and you don't be late to watch. Yeah. Or yeah. Formation as we call it. Right. <laughs> and don't, don't miss a movement, all that kind of stuff. And life is good. So 36, 36 months go by. Now this, uh, now you're coming on 21. 
it would, and I know the re, I know the re-up officer showed to tell you some lies about if you stay in the Navy, but you thought about something else. So what happened? Well, I, I had a I had a uh, actually had a buds package put together. Tell, <clears throat> tell the audience what a buds package is. Oh, so <clears throat> well, uh, the, only, the only way I, the only <laughs> way I was staying in is that I was I would I would do it if I if I was if I was a SEAL, uh, and. I'm not even saying I would make it, but I had, I had the package together. I'd gone to the dive chamber and had to get some fillings drilled out because there was an air pocket in there, which is a long story. Um, and I, uh, there's uh, on average at the time there was, you know, there, it, it buds, there's a, anywhere from on average, 85% attrition rate. Hold on a second and, for our audience. That's basic underwater yeah. demolition yeah, school. Basic, yeah. yeah. So basic underwater demo, demolition it's, it's school, school, you know, it's, it's you, a school to get into Navy SEALs, right? To be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And, and the failure rates like 90%. Yeah. Yeah. And so during the summer classes, I think they've gotten it up to about, you know, 40, 50%. It's the winter classes. You have like, you know, yeah, it's cold. Anywhere from one to five people. <laughs> yeah, because they, so, they train they train in, uh, near Great Lakes or they train in uh, San Diego, right? Coronado. It's a, yeah, Coronado. It's a Coronado, which is uh, near near San Diego, and the water is 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 cold there. It's freezing. And, uh, freezing. And so, I had actually uh, went to. Uh, now I was a welder. Now I'd actually about a year in, I got search and rescue school. I, I was a SAR swimmer. And uh, so they had sent me out to Jacksonville. I trained down there. Uh, I was not on an air crew, so I wasn't jumping out of helicopters. We didn't even have a helicopter. It was like shipboard, you know. So I had got my swimming down. Yeah, you're swimming. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's the key right there. You, yeah, you can swim. Then, then the running part and the other stuff, you know, you can can kind of make shift. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's will, it's, it's what just willpower when, at that point. Yeah, it's interesting what happens when you put a strap a pair of fins on a hunk of meat and put them in the water, and it's they, amazing. they turn into. It is amazing. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you you don't you don't do you go to buds or not? No, I got out. Yeah, okay. I, I I got out. I, I said, you know, really, you know, uh, I was exercising what I would call these days wrist tolerance, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it, 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 the chances we're not, we're not good. You know, even, you know, it because I never dug that deep in my life to this day. I mean, I've never, never dug that deep in my life to, um, uh, to do something like go to hell week and spend five days on my feet, you know, and it just, it was, and if you, if you fell out of buds, all right, if you ring out, yeah. you go back, you go back to the fleet, Yeah, you, you go back to the, I was done with the fleet. And so, um, you know, mad respect to anybody that's gone there and, and, and completed that training because, but I, but and I mad, mad respect to anybody who's gone and failed. <clears throat> yeah. Mad, totally mad respect to every man or woman, but man, right. Yeah. Who, who actually saw, who had to ring the bell. Yeah. Right. That's right. I, I, and uh, I, I, women I, I, are even I, I, eligible for it now. I'd have never, I just want to tell you, I'd have never made it. I'd have never made it as, as a seal. Yeah. So I, I had, uh, um, so I got out and I was actually, we had actually gone through the Panama canal at that point and, uh, we're in Bremerton, Washington when I was discharged. Uh, and I actually drove down, uh, what is it? Ten, uh, what's this, the, that Western five. long road the five, five. Yeah. drove down the five through, you know, Redwood and, and, and all the and Yosemite, uh, I down mean, to San Diego. Yeah. That, you stop right by my house. We'll eat. <laughs> That's our freeway. And I met, yeah, I met my buddy that I told you had his uh, uh, diploma fabricated. Uh, I won't say his name, but he was down in uh, San Diego. <laughs> and and then I drove straight across to Alabama for 24 straight hours. And um, I'm glad I survived that. Isn't, but isn't there, it only took you 24 straight hours to get to Alabama? You didn't sleep. Well, I, I, I stopped in uh, Tempe, Arizona. 
because I had had a lady friend there, been keeping in touch. Oh, so yeah. so so from Tempe, it took you twenty four straight. Up. Yeah, from Tempe. Okay, I was gonna say, and after you saw the lady for, I've driven from Dallas to L.A. and it that is twenty two hours no, no, straight. No, after you so saw the lady, I was like, friend. man, you must. I mean, that's like and some. He had some good <laughs> memories, and he had a new motivation from the lady friend, and that carried him all the way to Alabama. So, isn't there an incredible freedom when you're like just getting out of the military? Like it's it like, was unbelievable. Yeah. It was like it was like it, it was like my whole world was this tunnel I'd been in 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 the military, and you come to the end you, you come to the end of the tunnel and you see just this vacuous universe that is all of yours if you just go out and get it, and that's what it felt like. Um, so, I I bought some weed off this dude in Washington and I drove home. <laughs> that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, okay. So, yeah. so, so this is in what? This is 07? What is this? 07, 08? 08. Yes. 08. Okay. So then, then how did you find yourself? What, is, what was your life? I mean, what? I'm guessing you went to school, or, right? Or you became a welder. Or you no, went well, to- you know, I, I got home and um, I had a stepdad um, that I, I didn't really get to that. My, my mom remarried when I was about 14 and I and actually had my, my little, uh, my little sister when I was 16 years old. And so she had no idea who I was, you know, I'd been, you know, from two years old, you know, to the time she was born. Now she's, uh, you know, six going on seven years old, you know, and I get home and, uh, everything's the same. Um, I had it in my head. I had this vision that like once myself and my step siblings moved out of the house that, um, the hoarding would stop. Okay. Which is a problem that we had when we combined two families, I get home and it's all the same. I couldn't be there. You know, I, I couldn't, um, you know, I, I, so, so I, I, uh, a friend from high school. Was your stepdad the hoarder? Is that, is that what you're saying? My, no, it was, um, it was my mom. Uh, she, and it's, and it's something that some other people like her, her sister do as well uh would not get rid of anything and that wasn't a problem when we when i was younger and right, we didn't you really have a lot yeah it was just you two it's yeah and but when when the two families merged together uh in our little house in this little house that, that was my great grandfather's um uh that we were renting um it it all the stuff came in and there was there's was no personal space uh I, my room i had a bunk bed in there so I come home, it, it's still the same. So I, I left and I, I, I um, just some friends that, you know, I'd known since high school, I slept on one of their couches for about six months. Um, and I was okay with that. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that much different than sleeping in a rack on a ship, but, right. uh, so that was, I, uh, and I started going to community college. So I was sleeping on the couch, going to community college. That's what I started doing. <laughs> so, uh, how did crypto find you, man? <clears throat> so um, I ended up going to nursing school uh, and uh, so somewhere it had to, I graduated nursing school in 2012. And the first time I came across crypto, uh, I can't tell you what led me there. It's just one of those things you start hearing, you start to hear patterns in people's conversations around you. And uh, mm. I downloaded a um, eToro app. I don't even know if eToro is still around. It is. Uh, yeah. And I downloaded eToro. And right around this time, uh, I saw, like, looking at the charts, I saw this mountain 
this huge mountain on on everything bitcoin you know uh, i think i was looking at tz tezos at the time and we were all we were after that mountain and down at the base okay and uh that doesn't mean a lot you know when you're zoomed in on a chart it might not have even been that high but i, I want to say it was about i keep wanting to say 17 but that doesn't make sense but i i uh so i bought some of it i couldn't have told you anything about it um why it had value what purpose it served i just knew i needed to have some because everybody seemed to be excited about it and that's when i initially found it uh i and and from that day i learned more and more about it uh got in and out of some positions and then eventually you get a very you come to learn what it's all about you come to learn you know that they're all different they they all serve different purposes you come to learn where the value is derived um really just theoretically the notion of value is just very interesting to me and um and that was that was how i got into it um i was right around august of 2020 you or are you guys you guys familiar with the the whole gamestop saga by chance yes okay no, gamestop yes yeah okay and, and the the reddit the reddit bets and all of that yeah yeah okay so i was pretty heavily i hate to say involved because that makes it sound like it was just like coordinated effort but you but were I, involved I was, <laughs> yeah right he hates so, to say uh, he was involved but he was involved yeah so um i was you know i was there for every bit of it um i was there i was there in the comment section when the first person used uh quote-unquote ape as an with with bananas as an analogy when explaining what shorting meant hold on it, explain hold on one second the person that actually put that all together What's uh, he's got the 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 Senate or Congress wanted to subpoena? Who was that? What's the what's the name of that guy? Oh, um, well, the 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 PG thirteen name would be Roy and Kitty, but he goes by a different name on Reddit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> His agent reached out to us to actually be on the show. Wow. Yeah, and so really? yeah, yeah, that, that is yeah, well, because that because is... he didn't he didn't respond back. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it's just so, so go ahead. Because um, because here's the deal. The question I want to know about it is I want to know what price you got in at. I mean, I want to go. I want, I want to go. You you. you it was this kind 30, of worms 30. is a yeah. It was uh, under thirty dollars. Okay, and uh, at what price did you uh, leverage your position? Uh, you liquidate your position or deleverage? Um, after being up all night. Uh, so there, it was around the the first week of january might have been the second week of january it, you have to understand i'd, I'd been involved in eight in uh, six or eight months of just pontification and theories and crystal balls of uh, explaining why uh this this equity was in the position that it was in and why it was about to shoot the other direction. Yeah, hold on a second. For our audience, we just got, I need the context. I'm gonna just say it in a very, so this stock, this GameStack stock, right, was rendered irrelevant because people are not going to the mall and, and getting out of the car with their kids and walking into a retail spot and renting a game. That's a dead yeah, model. Or buying a game. Right, or buying a game. Thank you, David. Correct. And so what happens, this stock is, is just, flatlining on life support in the ICU at around two, $2 for like 18 months, if not longer. 
right? Correct. The, the, the big... The big venture capital firms, the hedge funds, right, had literally taken a position. We are going to short this stock, right? So we actually make the alpha between two and a half dollars to when it goes all the way to zero because it's a certainty. It's an inevitability, right? And so this population, this Reddit population said, hey, you know something? We should go the other way. So they started going the other way and taking positions that the stock would go up, right? And the more that it went up, right? The, the, the uh, Citadel Capital, they're the perpetrator on this. They're the ones that actually were providing all the liquidity for Robinhood. And they were the ones that were actually shorting this. So when it happens is when the stock went from $2 to $4, right? Citadel Capital says, hey, either you put in more money or we're going to actually liquidate your position. And they said, no problem. We'll just keep shorting it. We'll just keep shorting it, right? They're adding more money. So this went all the way up to $222 dollars a share right where literally citadel capital was going to be rendered insolvent right and what ended up happening is that 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 criminal who's running robin hood made a situation that you could buy gamestop but you couldn't sell it right because or the he, other way around you, you could sell but i'm sorry you couldn't I, buy. I, yeah, I, yeah. I misspoke i misspoke yeah, yeah 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 there was one button you may sell but you cannot buy Right. And so literally these guys were just lying. And that's the thing on Wall Street. You get to lie. And, and the rule on Wall Street, I'm not even making this up. You can lie. Judge, you break any law you want. Don't worry. We're not going to jail. We'll just pay a fine and then we'll have our lobbyists change the laws in our benefit. Right. And so they that's weren't correct. they weren't worried about doing any of this stuff. You're probably surprised that I actually am as learned as I am on this uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised because uh, there's a certain job I got from this show that I just knew I knew. Uh, honestly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 but anyhow, the, what, what ends up happening is, so you know, the, the, um, the, 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 I want to come back to you in a second, but let me, let me continue with this. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. So anyhow, there were, there were a lot of these people that says, you know, we're going to profit from this. You can't, you can't take our position away. And, and, and all these senators wanted to like get a hold of the people that read it. Like how, how can these common men like manipulate the system, which is the exact reason that David James got into crypto. David James saw in 2013 that I actually am working like a slave for this fiat currency that they can print as much as they want of, right? And they can find me and they can be rent seeking and I got to pay in fiat currency, right? And I got to keep paying, paying, paying. And, I, and the worth and the value that I have is going away based on this thing. And I realized when I got into cryptocurrency, right, we're a movement and a revolution. And this is breaking this machine from the inside out. I'm done with my monologue. I'll drop the mic. Thank you. For no, the you, <clears throat> you hit the nail on the head and that's, that's pretty much how I got here. Um, but you, you, your point on, on Citadel securities is, is, uh, the, they were obviously behind a massive amount of liquidity that was needed to, to continue shorting this stock. And it, on one side it was, well, we think this is a good play, which is fair, but, the other side is when you have that much capital and, and you are able to hammer away at a short or provide liquidity for people to hammer away at this short position, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where uh, you, you, if, if, if you make a coordinated effort, you know, which would be very, very difficult to prove um, on the same side of, of a position, you're going to drive the price down. And, and that's what was happening. There, there is a predatory practice of shorting companies into oblivion. And when that company goes bankrupt, you then reap 
100% of the benefit of, of, of that short position. And the, the theory was that due to uh, a process called rehypothecation, that um, there were far and above more shares short than were even in existence. Yeah, naked and shorts, was, and this is illegal. Yeah, right. And they don't yeah, care because because there's not the reason the people on Wall Street don't go to jail is because there's not enough political will to arrest the people. Right. That's so, right. And, and and just talking about political will, right? If you're on the left, right, you want Trump to go to jail, and if you're on the right, you want Hillary to go to jail, and neither of those two things are going to happen because there's not enough political will, right? Guys like right. Derek, Derek Chavon, he wants he's going to go to jail because everybody saw what he did, right? Left, right, right. There was enough political will, and he knew it. So, I mean, I'm trying to compare. I'm not trying to compare the analogies of the crimes, right? But Wall right. Street is just the, you talk about the swamp. Wall Street is 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 the the fog and the rain and the clouds that bequeath the water to the swamp. I mean, it's 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 like that. So, yeah, you got my dander up. So yeah, yeah. So uh, and so I I took just uh, I couldn't I, obviously um, I I can't really get into a lot of the details of the evidence that really supported uh, how leveraged on the short side that uh, it, that many banks were. But I, I, I took a long position and uh, right around the first week of January, uh, it happened. I um, market closed the day before, uh, uh, I, I believe it was a Tuesday. And right at market close, uh, right when all the liquidity dries up, um, the price started skyrocketing. It, it just started ripping upwards. And, and we're, we're all watching this and commenting on Reddit. It's just going and going and going. And I sent a post that day. I still have the picture on my phone. Uh, I posted. I said, "Is it happening?" And there's this hockey stick of green. Yeah, yeah. What a what, what, right. what a beautiful candle. And I uh, I was, couldn't sleep. I was up all night. You know, watching after hours. Um, literally never went to sleep. The next morning, the market opens back up, and it's just like gapped. And it, it is just going and going and going. And I'm sitting here like. How high did it get? Did it go to 440? The the highest trade that I saw, uh, it was a pre-market trade, was $501. Okay, now, yeah. I've seen people who have claimed that they got in at 523 as sort of a joke that they were literally the last person to yeah, go long. Yeah, the greater, the greater fool theory. Yeah, right, right, right. They they were the martyr, and uh, so uh, we the, they say in the Reddit community where you know we're coming back for you, we're going to get you, you know, kind of pick them up again. But yeah, um, <laughs> I I I I, um, I I did unwind um, up there um, uh, about eighty five percent of my position, and and I hold the rest to this day. Good for you. Uh, so this gets me, you know, sort of there, there was something that was happening, uh, that I was starting to notice. And it, there was a, there was a very specific culture that was starting to, to spin up. I, I had mentioned the notion of ape. Uh, there was a, someone was, uh, shorting is a difficult concept to, to really understand initially, but once you get it, you got it. Now, someone was describing, uh, an ape, quote unquote, that had just a massive amount of bananas and the ape would lend the bananas for someone else who didn't have any. And that person would take the bananas and would sell them and then buy them back at a lower price and give the bananas back. And that was the earliest instance that I recall and maybe the earliest that someone said the word ape. And so when you see uh, when you see the mainstream media, so, you know, they're saying the apes are doing this, the apes are doing that, you know, it, the, the, what is happening on the ground was a cultural revolution.
and it is people who uh, are uh, who grew up being told that if you make good grades, you go to college, you get out, there's a job, you buy a house, have a wife, live a long, happy life, and feel satisfied with yourself on your deathbed. And what the millennials generation found uh, when they did all those things is they have a mountain of student loan debt. Uh, they have the, the job markets drying up. They're still living with their parents. Um, and housing is astronomical. It continues to go through the roof. And this, uh, this American dream that they had been uh, pitched for their entire life uh, had, been, had been looted by the, by the, the generation um, no, you know, my, the, one, baby, the baby boomer, the baby boomer generation. Right. It, it had, it had been looted. Uh, there was nothing left. Uh, and, and, and it was all, uh, the, 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 the ape culture is, it is a group of, uh, disillusioned, primarily millennials, yeah. uh, that, that just got sick and tired. And we, we run into COVID, COVID-19, everybody's at home, they're bored, they're getting into stuff like, uh, I mean, the, the prices on baseball cards and basketball cards start shooting through the roof because people are, they're collecting these things again, and they're also collecting crypto, and they're also collecting NFTs. And so we, we saw, uh, I believe that was one of the greatest contributing factors of really the rise of the, the NFT market uh, that really got traction right around May, May of this year. Um, and the culture that I saw bubbling up uh, in 2020, about early or to mid 2020 until today, uh, really started rolling over into the NFT space. Uh, and and it, in our window into that is in the language. Uh, we still see things like diamond hands, paper hands, YOLO, rocket, moon, ape, uh, all of these things, all these words, they started in early Wall Street bets. Now, mind you, anyone that is really into GameStop no longer uses Wall Street bets. It had been, it, it's been overrun with, it, it's just, it's been with, infiltrated. With, with tourists. With tourists, exactly. But but really more paid paid accounts, uh, uh, wherever the money's coming from, it, you could speculate all day, There, but there's paid accounts that have uh, infiltrated with the goal of monetizing that. So, uh, the, the media still, you, you, I pull up my thinkorswim and I look at, you know, you see this meme stop thing pop up, this article, and it's like, what's Wall Street Bets talking about today, yada, yada. It, it, no one who is there, uh, no one who really keeps up with it hardly uh, uses Wall Street Bets anymore. It's migrated to another subreddit, and I'm not even going to mention the name of yeah, it. Yeah, no, please, in please, the event please that, don't. Please <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, no, it, we're not even there anymore, and, 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 the short of it is I think money came into wall street bets. I mean, I, I, and I'm, again, I'm speculating this isn't truth, but, but I believe that some more establishment like market watch and things like that have, have, have sort of commandeered um, the potential of, of retail trading uh, and seem to be controlling the narrative. Um, uh, I, I believe money has made it to the mods uh, by fact, I know it has because the founder of Wall Street Bets, who was not even present during the GameStop thing, he'd been gone for forever. Uh, he he comes out of the woodworks and and sells his life rights as the creator of Wall Street Bets for these 
for like book right book deals yeah. and movies. Yeah, you know, like like and, Craig and, Wright. Like Craig yeah, Wright. And, I am Soshi Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the guy the guy the creator was never there, you know, for, for any of that. And, well, I just want you to know I'm about to get my patent and license uh on Bitcoin. I license no, I literally I, I actually good. have the intellectual property. So everybody <laughs> will pay me. Right, because yeah. why why not? I mean I'm the first one to do it. Hey, we're running out of time, so I want can you can yeah. you can you tell me about your NFT project and what you're doing? So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm associated with a lot of different things, uh, anything from the digital wearable space, um, which, which I think is going to be big in the metaverse. Cause I think it's going to matter, um, how you look. Okay. When you're, when your corner room office and when your conference room is located in the metaverse rather than in the real world in a skyscraper. Uh, so I, uh, I'm associated with, uh, a company called in rift. Uh, and Rift is a metaverse wearables company. They're spell, designing spell things. It, spell that, it for uh, our audience. So it's so it's I N, and then there's actually a uh, a line like a vertical line, and then there's Rift R I F T. In Rift, all right. Yeah, and so um, I I have been tasked with spreading the word. I'm I'm compensated actually with uh, first generation NFTs. Is sort of you know that's that's the deal there. You know, that's my disclosure, uh, but they are doing excellent work. They've been doing it for, um, for uh, there's someone in, in there that's been in the industry for 10 years, fashion migrating into the metaverse. And this was before Nike acquired uh, uh, RTFKT, which um, was obviously a big deal. Um, I'm also associated with a company called uh, NFT to Earn. Uh, now I'm an equity partner in this company. Uh, when it was starting up, I provided uh, uh, an investment during the seed round, um, and we specialize in NFT gaming. Okay, um, I, 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 in my opinion, not financial advice. It's just my opinion. I, I edutainment, edutainment, everybody just for edutainment, edutainment. Yeah, um, I. I, I I do believe that the next play in the crypto space is going to involve um, uh, metaverse land uh, as well as assets in the game space. Um, uh, we acquire these assets, they're NFTs, whether it be land, buildings, uh, weapons, pickaxes, chainsaws, whatever you would use in a video game. Uh, and we, the traditional game space is um, th there's a slow migration to, to the blockchain where these items, when you raid a boss in, uh, in world of Warcraft, and they drop this thing you've been looking for and you've been in there to kill that boss for 15 times already. And you get it, you own it. It's on chain. It's an NFT. It's in your possession. You can go to the secondary market and someone to pay you $10,000 for it because they really want it also. Um, and it, and it is, uh, it is going to upend the traditional game space. Uh, so we acquire those assets. We, we have them all. They're currently being, um, migrated. We're traditional C Corp mind you. Okay. But we're beginning to incorporate, incorporate the Dow structure. Um, and our community of players, uh, we've got 5,000 people in our discord, uh, that, that, started up when we, we began in Axie Infinity, uh, acquiring Axies. Um, and we lend Axies uh, to the community. Uh, they go out and they play. Uh, it, primarily our community population there was in Southeast Asia as well as Brazil. Uh, now the, the money that they are earning playing these games for, you know, max two hours a day is more money than they would make in, in any jobs that 
they could realistically Unbelievable. have. Unbelievable. We're Un- breaking down. Unfathomable yeah. what you're talking about right there. We, we, I mean, this blockchain gaming uh, in the metaverse is, there may be these arbitrary lines drawn on a map. Uh, now, and if, but if the government allows access to crypto, it is breaking down uh, international economic borders. Yay. It, I don't care if the government yeah. lets it do it or not. Yeah, it is a uh, it is uh, truly a, a potential here for a, a one world economy, uh, and it's happening in the game space right now. Let me tell you something. I, I'm looking at a kid right who was brought into the world by two 19 year olds that sort of liked each other, right? And then you know in school <laughs> with a pencil, right? Then sixth grade understood, fifth grade whatever science, right? And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> geometry and the numbers, it's like you go in and out of iterations, right? Then you go to the Navy, I guess I'm going to weld and enjoy Italian food and Italian girls, right? And then I'm going to buy a bag of weed on the way home and go to college, become a nurse, right? And, <laughs> all right? Yeah. But you've not made more impact. You've not made more impact than what I've just heard you say and what you're doing on how you're just changing so many lives. How does no, we, that, no, no, no. How does that make yeah. you feel about yourself? I mean, you better be it, proud. I am proud. Uh, I, I, I've, I have people that, you know, there are only just over 600,000 wallets in the entire world that contain an NFT right now. Uh, and a lot of those wallets are owned by a single person. How, how many wallets? wallets? They're just over 600,000. Oh, I thought you said 6,000. Okay. All right. No, 600. And, and well, sorry, specifically that, that interact with OpenSea. Okay. And, and that's like, I mean, that's like 90% of the, really yeah. the trade. Yeah, they're, there. they're the game. They're Google, and, they're Facebook. Right. Yeah. And so it, 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 we're, we're so early in the NFT space right now that, uh, it, I, in fact, I specifically made a LinkedIn profile, put my, my NFT, my, my crypto Mori that I actually have right here. I made a t-shirt. Uh, and I put that as my profile picture, uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to attract the right people who might be looking for me. Okay. And the other reason is I think it's kind of fun to see somebody really get their jimmies wrestled over not having <laughs> my profile picture as my, <laughs> as my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Specifically, and, uh, specifically LinkedIn, right? Like, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, it the, the place is so, uh, it's so uptight. You know, like, I'm just be honest. It, it's, it's, uh, I, I left my career in nursing. I, I was, a, I was a nurse practitioner. I practice, uh, in the, uh, I practice in and around emergency medicine, you know, wait, training. Wait. You, you were a nurse practitioner where you could actually pres- yeah. prescribe pain pills. Oh you, yeah. You, right. You, you went that high with your nurse <clears throat> yeah. training. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, uh, I, I actually left that career entirely, uh, back in, uh, August, the end of August, um, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, one I of which, yeah. one of which is I began to, uh, I be, since the Navy and since it taught me to really advance myself as a person and really work hard, uh, I, 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 I was a juggernaut for, for years. I, I was, I was doing a lot of things and I was, I graduated nursing school, won every award that there is to win, uh, with the exception of one, um, and that, but but it and it included the highest award that they offered from the school. And I, I went. I was practicing in the emergency department for five years. Uh, the, those last two years, I finished up my master's for advanced practice nursing. I rolled uh, from there into um, 
the emergency nurse practitioner program, which was a new thing. I was the 439th person to, to uh, take that, that certification exam and pass. So I was uh, double boarded in uh, family and emergency nurse practitioner, and I kept wanting to advance. I wanted to advance and advance and advance. Um, uh, one, one, uh, the, the two greatest scourges in healthcare would be opioid pain medications, which I was always resistant to, to prescribe unless it was necessary. And the other one, uh, that is not talked about very much is, is this insidious sort of growing use of diagnostic radiation with, a um, CAT scanning specifically CT imaging. Um, we, uh, the best data that we have about the effect of uh, large doses of radiation is from 1945 and the bombing uh, of Hiroshima. Uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, uh, because those people are just now reaching the end of their lives. We're just now starting to see, you know, uh, you know what what is the effect, you know, long term. Uh, it is estimated that uh, three CAT scans of your chest, abdomen, pelvis, okay is right around the same dose of radiation as uh, many survivors of those bombings. Um, and so we don't really know what we're doing to patients. I just know that being around that radiation isn't good. And it's generally, it's widely accepted that, that the radiation is far, way, way overused, okay, in, in the medical setting. And I, uh, uh, in my position, did everything I could to be a clinician and to make decisions uh, based on the, the the history and the physical exam and the evidence that I saw in the room and to avoid CAT scanning at all costs. And there's a lot of tools that really help a person do that. Unfortunately, most of my practice was filtered through one, uh, could be any any physician, up to, up to 12 physicians that have me working that day. Uh, and um, they're all great. I, I love those guys to death. I have nothing against them at all. It's just when I did 99% of the work and they haven't met them yet, they just have a tendency to, well, let's just do the CAT scan so we know that the answer is correct. You know something, and, I'm sorry, you're so fascinating. You are. I'm not being placating you. I got to have you back. Will you, will you come back on the show? Will you come back? back? No, I, 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 yeah. on, on another I mean, episode. I mean, yeah, I, I know we're probably running long here, and uh, but – uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a lot to say, and I've, I've never been interviewed for anything in my life, to be honest with you. Well, but, you uh, can't say that. you can't say that anymore. No, but, but <laughs> next yeah. no, next time we'll we'll because the audience will already know who you are. We'll start right into the whole crypto thing, the GameStop thing, game theory, finance. We'll talk about you know the fraud that we call the the Fed, that Nixon taking us off the gold standard. We'll we'll, we'll you have a a unique way of of breaking down a story in layers. And you're one of the most fascinating guests we've ever had. I mean, no, <laughs> no, no we're, we're not. We're not. I, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for saying that. So anyhow, I gotta, I, I gotta go because I gotta, I gotta thank you. Stay, stay on for a second though. Yeah. Stay, okay. Stay okay. Hey, tra Travis. Yes, sir. Thank you for always doing great. Of course. Great stuff. Robo recruiter. Wow. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. And of course, uh, I'm David James, and I, I'm the job whisperer, and I'm whispered. Man, can whisper.